Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Joe Biden's overseas trip, embarrassing as always. We're going to talk to a shrink about this trans stuff. All that and more coming up on I'm Right. God bless you all, and may God protect the freedoms of the, the, the protectors of freedom. Joe Biden just wrapped up another overseas trip. And I just want to say something. We play these clips and we laugh, or we cringe, or we laugh and we cringe. We roll our eyes. But let's do keep in mind, it actually is a really, really, really big deal that the president of the United States of America is not a fully functional adult. That's a really big deal. And I realize we have this namby-pamby country now where everybody, everybody, I mean, it's not just on the left. People have to, they get offended by everything. 
and you're never allowed to offend anybody or hurt anybody's feelings. And you're certainly, you're never allowed to exclude anybody. Everybody has to be included. And I just want to be understanding. And I just want to love and be include everyone and everybody's welcome. But that's exactly why this country is being destroyed because that kind of attitude is ridiculous. No, a bunch of people shouldn't be welcome in specific roles. They shouldn't be. Joe Biden is president of the United States of America. To be president of the United States of America, there need to be some very basic requirements, very basic requirements. Now, maybe these shouldn't be requirements for you and your job. Maybe you're a, a car mechanic and you work alone. If that's the case, it's really not important that you can speak that well. If you have a bad stutter, a lot of people do something like that, that's fine. You're a car mechanic. The President of the United States of America is the face of our nation, whether you like it or not. Joe Biden is the face of our nation. He's the voice of our nation. It's not a small deal. It's a really big deal that the President can't talk. Fredrickson of Denmark and uh, the Ministry of Cobalt's daughter of Ireland, or daughter of Ireland, you can tell that's a 40th slip, I'm thinking of home, uh, the daughter of Iceland. Soon NATO will be the 32nd freestanding, have free, 30 free, 32 freestanding members. It's not funny. We need all Americans to have basic requirements for things. When you're thinking about the starting quarterback for your football team, it's really important that he's able to throw a football. So when we can have standards like that for our sports stars, why do we not have those same standards for the people who want to be the voice of our nation? And it goes well beyond just basic embarrassment. The president can't talk. Ha ah, ha ha, Joe Biden has dementia, it's terrible. These have national security implications. We don't like to think about that. And we like to imagine that, no, there's, a, there's this high-powered cabal of an important intelligent people that surround this guy and that guy. And, and it doesn't matter what, what these person-to-person -person interactions are, but that's absolutely not the case. Person-to-person -person interactions throughout the history of the world, how those interactions have gone, one leader's assessment of another, of another leader are everything. They are everything. Why was Stalin so aggressive at the end of World War II when he knew he'd won? Stalin went to a meeting with Churchill and FDR at Yalta. FDR was in dreadful health at the time. He was about to die. Actually, we didn't know it at the time. He was about to die. And FDR was feeble, was nothing like he was before. And Stalin recognized it and ate him up chewed him up like that. Weakness from the executive level is huge. What do you think Vladimir Putin thinks when he looks at Joe Biden? Forget, forget Putin, Xi Jinping, another one of these crafty operators. What do you think he thinks when he sees Joe Biden like this? He knows that's the commander in chief. That's why they're all aggressive right now. That's why they're licking their chops. It doesn't matter how much kissing up to Ukraine Biden does when he's overseas. Well, thank you, and thank you for acknowledging 
<laughs> the American people. Uh, I think it's correct that uh, we are a large country, but I think we've given more than every other nation combined in terms of assistance and cost. So thank you for what you're doing. And uh, the bad news for you is we're not going anywhere. <laughs> you're stuck with us. So thank you. He seemed very, very satisfied with everything we're doing when we left. I'm sorry? Zelensky, who has existed off of our charity, seemed satisfied? As if that should matter to us at all? Hey, uh, are, you, are you satisfied? I just want to make sure you're happy. Look, uh, how much more of the treasury? Can I give you my wallet? I've got a wallet. Do you want my wallet too? It's just I want to make sure you're happy. That's how pathetic and feeble and weak we are now. But hey, at least he almost remembered his name. Vladimir and I, we, the, I should, shouldn't be so familiar. Uh, Mr. Zelensky and I uh, talked about the kind of guarantees we could make in the meantime. I shouldn't be so familiar? No, with that kind of money, I'll call you a piece of crap if I feel like it. Because it's our money. I shouldn't be so familiar. As if this guy's some kind of patron saint that we have to honor. Oh, and by the way, did I, did I mention that the national debt exploded by a trillion dollars in the last five weeks as we shovel money at everything and anything under the sun? Our nation is going bankrupt. But don't worry. They're all over the real existential threats. You know, we're all must summon the common will to, to actually address the existential threat of accelerating climate change. It's real. It's serious. We don't have a lot of time. It is the, the single greatest threat to humanity. Well, we staunched the climate crisis before it's too late. It's the only existential threat humanity faces, and we don't have a lot of time. Well, he's right about that. Well, kind of. Climate change isn't our existential threat. The climate change activism is. Do keep in mind, they're not flowery hippies who just want to care for Mother Earth. If these people get what they want, billions of people will die. Nazism, whatever other ism you're thinking about, the deadliest movement in the history of mankind is the climate change movement and nothing else is even a close second. Nothing comes close. You declare carbon, what you're breathing out right now, to be a poison and decide that you need to drastically reduce the carbon numbers, the only end outcome of that is billions of dead people. But it's okay. John Kerry's still going to be flying private. I just don't agree with your facts, which began with the presentation of one of the most outrageously persistent lies that I hear, which is this private jet. We don't own a private jet. I don't own a private jet. I personally have never owned a private jet. And obviously, it's pretty stupid to talk about coming in a private jet from the State Department up here. It just honestly, if that's where you want to go, go there. 
one of the most genocidal human beings on the planet right there. Treated, as always, like he's just kind of naive, just a little flowery hippie. No, that human being is trying to kill billions of people. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Speaking of trying, Dome was busy while Joe Biden was overseas. Emily Jashinsky is going to join us next and talk about that. Before she does that, let's talk about our dogs. Do you know that I, except for his shots, I have not had to take my dog Fred to the vet in over a year, ever since I started him on Rough Greens? His digestive issues are gone. Ear infections, he used to get those like every other week, gone. It's amazing what happens when you finally give your dog nutrition for the first time, because there's no nutrition in dog food. There is in Rough Greens, though. Natural nutritional supplement, vitamins, minerals, omega oils. Roughgreens.com slash Jesse has a free jumpstart trial bag for you. Roughgreens.com slash Jesse, or you can call them 833-33-MY-DOG. We'll be back. How am I doing here? And I think the first part of this issue that should be articulated is AI is kind of a fancy thing. It's, first of all, it's two letters. It means <laughs> artificial intelligence. But ultimately what it is, is it's about machine learning. And so the machine is taught. And part of the issue here is what information is going into the machine that will then determine and, and we can predict then, if we think about what machine, what information is going in, what then will be produced in terms of decisions and opinions um, that may be made through that process. That's the Vice President of the United States of America getting us boned up on technology. Joining me now, Emily Jasinski, culture editor for The Federalist. Okay, em Emily, if you set aside the fact the vice president is a complete and utter moron, she actually did reveal something at the end that I think is really important. It's going to affect us going forward. What goes in to all this AI stuff is what really matters, and the communists are well aware of that. That's a good point. Although I also want to say, I'm not sure how someone can sound that dumb with notes in front of them. I mean, she's got clearly pages of notes in front of her and she sounds like she's just running out the clock on a book report in third grade. <laughs> but yes, that is true. Like these these uh, large language models, uh, this is a two letter term, AI, artificial intelligence. It stands for machine learning, Jesse, in case you hadn't picked up on that. But they yes. are scraping... Yes. This is this is what's important is what they scrape. You know, it's it's what it, what gets fed into the LLMs, the models, and then what gets spit out. And they're already making these decisions in Silicon Valley and in other places to exclude and include based on their political biases, which they don't even understand are political. They'll say we're just totally nonpartisan. We're just here for decency and we're against racism and sexism and bigotry of all forms. That means they aren't feeding, uh, as you can imagine, conservative content or even like center left content into the machine and, and teaching it to understand things in a way that truly is neutral. Neutrality is utterly impossible for the people who control these levers of power. And so what's going into these LLMs is not going to be good uh, when it comes out on the other side. Emily, I'm old. You're young. So I need you to explain this to me as if I'm old and have gray in my beard. 
why do this why does this matter to me what does ai matter to me what what kind of systems is ai going to control in the future i don't understand yeah, I think they're preparing for it to essentially control everything. And that sounds oh. maybe like it's it's really far off in the future, but AI is embedded into so many different technologies. I mean, just even like autocorrect. Think about something silly like autocorrect. Um, you know, flagging different words as being hurtful or damaging. We see it actually all the time on social media. Their algorithms will flag accounts that just use particular words. They taught the algorithms if you're using a word like, or if you have a frog in your uh, profile picture, right? Um, that is taught. The AI has learned that that might mean you're a bigot. And so your account gets flagged and shut down. And then we'll see that happening on a different scale over and over again, because these models are being taught that people who express dissident thought, any thought that challenges power, let alone conservative thought, Christian thought, uh, is going to get flagged. And that could mean so many different things. That could go into banking. It just could seep into every facet of society in ways that are really chilling to think about. Oh, well, all that sounds pretty much horrifying, especially because everything I say is hurtful. Uh, she also talked about, well, I'll let her run away with it here. And I again want to thank the Secretary for your work. Uh, this issue of transportation is fundamentally about just making sure that people have the ability to get where they need to go. <laughs> it's that basic. <laughs> Emily, okay, so obviously we don't have very many agreements politically, Dome and I, I'm talking about, but she is the Vice President of the United States of America, and she is a 57-year-old woman, assuming she's been around a while and read some things. Why does she sound like the dumbest person on the planet? I truly can't understand it, but the only explanation I think that exists is she is so paralyzed by her fear of getting on the wrong side of either Joe Biden or of the sort of like woke critics that exist. She's she's just so paralyzed by her fear. She doesn't actually believe anything. Um, and so she ends up saying nothing. That's my best guess, but I truly think it's inexplicable because to your point, this woman has actually served in fairly high positions before becoming the vice president. She was a United States senator. She was uh, what, an attorney general for the biggest state in the, one of the biggest states in the country. Like she's she's been around. She should know how to string together sentences that sound somewhat uh, co coherent and yet she cannot in ways again I just have a hard time explaining it except for thinking that maybe she truly doesn't believe anything and she's so scared that she just gets blown around and says nothing that's gotta be because you're right her resume is just high post after high post after high post it's just, just a complete and utter moron <laughs> speaking of which Joe Mumbles just got back from overseas here's a little bit of how that went uh, hearing this answer that no one can guarantee a future, are you worried that the political instability in U.S. will cause issues in the alliance in the future? Let me be clear. I didn't say we didn't guarantee it. We couldn't guarantee the future. You can't tell me whether you're going to be able to go home tonight. No one can be sure what they're going to do. I'm saying as sure as anything can possibly be said about American foreign policy, we will stay connected to NATO connected to NATO beginning, middle, and end. We're a transatlantic partnership. That's what I've said. He's just always been a jerk, and it just comes out more now. They tried to do the, you know, doddering old man with a stutter thing, but he's just been a jerk his whole life. 
And it's incredibly embarrassing now that it's you know, more obvious because he can't even get through a sentence, not unlike his vice president, who maybe I'm, I'm now realizing she sees how he communicates and thinks that's how you become president. So she does the same thing despite <laughs> having her mental faculties. But it is, I mean, to say as sure as anything can be said in United States foreign policy and have no self-awareness of the way that sounds, um, you know, as sure as anything can be said in American foreign policy, that's not a great promise right now, Joe. <laughs> That's it. Have some self awareness, actually, as the man who oversaw what happened in Afghanistan, um, and speaking with certainty about things in American foreign policy, as though that's somehow impenetrable. Yeah, he had a really embarrassing showing at the NATO summit. You know, had you know some good relationship with Erdogan on display, et cetera, et cetera. But other than that, he was. I mean, I shouldn't even say other than that, uh, including that, he seemed to have no grasp on uh, what American pol- a, a sort of solid idea of what American policy should foreign policy should look like right now. Because because he's tied up and admired in this strange dance with Zelensky, who even has gotten every his whole wish list from us for the most part and still threw a temper tantrum uh, at the NATO summit this week. Zelensky obviously runs the planet now. Uh, it would be nice if Joe Biden didn't go on television and give away critical national security secrets like this little tidbit right here. Uh, the Ukrainians are running out of ammunition. Uh, the ammunition that they, they call them 155 millimeter weapons. This is a this is a war relating to munitions, and uh, the running out of those that ammunition, and we're low on it. It's probably best not to let the world know that we're low on inf- on ammunition for our artillery. Yeah, and he also had a little Kamala moment there, moment there too when he said, "This is a war about munitions." Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Most wars are, sir. But uh, to have his uh, his little slip there, I think, is really, really an example of where you have the sort of average voter looking at what he's saying and realizing, okay, this isn't this isn't something I could just sort of brush under the rug because I really dislike you know Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or whoever he's up against in 2024. They actually look at that and say, this is genuinely dangerous for the United States of America. A lot of people looked at Trump and they're like, oh, he's erratic. He'll spill state sneakers and you know, do things we can't predict. It's like, that's a problem that also applies to Joe Biden. So if you're voting for him to return normalcy and decency to the White House, you're getting a guy who talks about uh, how we're low on munitions. As though, by the way, that's not his fault, right? Like, oh, who's, whose fault might it be if we're low on these things? It couldn't be the president of the United States, the commander in chief. So it's a really bad look. The whole last week has been really bad for him. Emily, thank you. Come back soon. Thanks, Jesse. All right, we've got more. Uh, Chloe Cole sat down with Mike Slater, and we're going to talk to a shrink about this trans stuff because Chloe Cole is one of these brave souls who has done the whole D trans thing and now has been being very outspoken about everything. We'll talk to shrink about that next. Before we get to that, let's get to allergies. They suck, don't they? They do. They're they're horrible. I. I've been through them my whole life. So if you have them, I know what you're going through. And I used to pop those over-the-counter allergy medications like they were candy. Just, just popping them like they were candy because my eyes would itch so bad and my nose, and it was just friggin' horrible. I don't have to do that anymore, thanks to Eden Pure, because they put out the greatest air purifier ever. And it's the smallest one I've ever seen and quietest one. It's just this little black box. It goes right in the outlet in the wall. It cleans your air constantly. Put one where you sleep. Put one in your kitchen where your kids sleep. 
notice a difference in your life. They have three packs for sale, $200 off. You have to go to EdenPureDeals.com, code JESSE. Go enjoy being allergy-free. We'll be back. What's your message to parents if their daughter comes to them and says, uh, I feel like a boy or vice versa? It's not going to be easy, but you might have to go against the advice of, of your doctors. Because right now, most healthcare associations in the US are pushing transition as the only treatment for minors who present with gender dysphoria. Amazing. But the truth is that transitioning is never appropriate for kids. That story is so sad. This beautiful young lady just wrecked by the system. Joining me now, Dr. Miriam Grossman, also author of the book Lost in Trans Nation. Doctor, it's so sad that we have so many lost, evil parents, I don't know what you want to call them, confused kids, and now a medical industry, obviously yourself excluded, that is pushing them towards horrible things. How in the world did we ever get to a place as a country where we tell a a 16-year-old girl to chop her breasts off? That's just, it's mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling. I'm so glad that you had Chloe Cole on a courageous young woman who's speaking out about the atrocities that were committed on her, to her. Uh, Unfortunately, there are many, many Chloe Coles out there, and I'm afraid there's no sign uh, of it stopping soon. So this is a dire situation. We have our very young kids that are being indoctrinated to believe that there's such a thing as being born in the wrong body. There is no such thing as being born in the wrong body. Uh, Of course, there is no medical or scientific foundation for saying such a thing. Nevertheless, little kids, and I'm talking about preschool kids, because there are books that are written for preschoolers, the proponents of this book, Yes, the proponents of this belief system wish to reach the youngest among us. So there are schools, there are, I'm sorry, books written for preschoolers that are out there in the libraries that are being read to kids in preschool that say things like, I, I'm, I'm a boy, but I was born in a girl's body. I have a girl's brain, but I have a boy's body. You can't tell if someone is a boy or a girl unless you ask them. So these are routinely available. I'm not exaggerating, and I want your audience to know this, especially your parents, because they have to be vigilant about the material that their kids are exposed to. Okay, once a child hears this idea that there's such a thing as being born in the wrong body, that's gonna stay with them. Okay, and as they grow up and they're hearing it more and more, and it's something that is glamorized and it's something that is celebrated in our society, on social media, in their schools, well, when they get a little bit older, 
and perhaps they begin to hit puberty and they don't like what's happening with their bodies or they're having some teenage angst or perhaps they're on the autism spectrum or they may have any number of psychiatric conditions. Well, they're told that transitioning and living as the opposite sex is the solution to their woes. So I am warning parents because I see these kids in my office and I see the devastation that this is for families, the destruction that this is for families. And I'm warning families, you need to realize that no family is immune and you need uh, to prepare yourselves and inoculate your families against this, uh, really what it is, is a social contagion. And I want you to inoculate your families with information with vigilance, with being sure what's going on at your kid's school. I, I explain in great detail how parents can get control of what's happening, uh, the access that the kids have to their internet and social media. They must get control over their kids' internet use. They must know what's happening in their kid's school. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a catastrophe when this happens in a family and it tears families apart. And the kids are being told that if your parents don't support you in your new identity, then your parents are bad people. And that means that they're transphobes and they're bigots and your home may not be a safe place for you. And I tell story right, upon right. story in which this happens, Jesse. So I'm sorry, I hope I'm not rambling but I don't have no, too much no. You're time. not rambling at all. <laughs> no, you're not rambling at all. I, I do want to ask you though. But before we before we do, I do want to ask you about the autism thing. And the autistic people are just wonderful. They're just minds work differently than other people's minds. And I am hearing more and more disturbing things lately about how many autistic people are being preyed upon by this industry. How they're taking advantage of that. You're the psychiatrist. I'm not though. Are you seeing that? Well, I would put it just a little bit differently. I mean, I, I would say that uh, autistic kids and adults, you know, like you said, think differently, experience the world differently. Um, they often have trouble socializing, making friends, reading social cues. And so, you know, middle schoolers and teenagers are especially vulnerable to feeling isolated, um, to feeling like they don't fit in. And when this possibility comes up that perhaps they're transgender and that that would explain their discomfort, also that you know, they have, may have sensory issues, they might have more trouble than other people with their changing bodies. Autistic people often experience black and white thinking, which means that they can only see one or the other way. So if a girl is unhappy about her breast development and she's worried about getting her periods, she might think, oh, you know, I'm not happy being a girl. That must mean I'm a boy. So yeah, these kids are oh. particularly, these kids are vulnerable to this ideology for sure. Good grief. Her book is called Lost in Trans Nation. Go grab it, especially if you're a parent concerned about this stuff. And if you're a parent, you should be concerned about this stuff. Doctor, I appreciate you very much. Thanks for having me. 
We have more on all this culture war stuff with Classically Abby next before we get to her. Let's talk about something good. Let's talk about buying things, investing in things that the Fed can't ruin, that Democrats can't ruin, that no politician can ruin. Because I just want to, again, point out, we added a trillion dollars to the debt in five weeks. That's where we're headed financially. Do you have gold or silver in your physical possession? Do you have it in your 401k or your IRA? Without it, you have no safety net. You have no protection. You are completely at the mercy of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. If that doesn't sound like a smart financial plan, call Oxford Gold and get yourself set up. We'll take care of everything for you. They're real chill. Call 833-995-GOLD. Tell them I told you to call. They'll take good care of you, okay? 833-995-GOLD. We'll be back. Everything you watch, everything you read, everything you listen to, and every class you take is trying to convince you of something. The professor has a goal. The professor has an opinion. And they want to convince you of that opinion, too. It's your responsibility to learn how to recognize it. Get good at hearing the bias in everything presented to you, whether it be on your own side or someone else's. You can practice that now with everything you watch. The movies and TV shows that you're watching that you might think, oh, this is just a storyline and this is just a character making decisions. But then you have to remember someone is writing that storyline for a reason. They want to convince you of something. Pretty sharp. Joining me now, Abby Roth. She is the creator of Classically Abby. It's something that can help equip you for this world we're living in. I'll put it to you that way. Abby, people were very naive, and many people on the right have been very naive for a very long time when it comes to things like education, movies too, but education, and that they, they say things like, well, we should just teach reading and writing in school as if that's something that's at all humanly possible. You have a human being up in front of the class, a human being's going to have biases, and they're going to teach those biases to your children. There is no stopping that. Absolutely. It's, it's crazy. I mean, and it starts from the time children are in kindergarten, right? We're seeing it with transgender ideology, with woke ideology from the time kids are tiny. I mean, my husband and I have talked a lot about how it's so important to us. We're discussing homeschooling, which is something we never thought we would do. We had kind of written that off as something, oh, that's for other people. And now we have our own son, another one on the way. And we're thinking, you know, what's really important is me being involved, me being the one who's actually imparting knowledge to my children instead of someone who has a bias, someone who has a goal and is trying to, you know, indoctrinate my child. Uh, And then we're seeing that in, in colleges, too. You know, it's not just little children who are being indoctrinated. It's 18 year olds, 18 year olds think they've got it all figured out. They've got nothing figured out, to be honest. And when you go into college thinking you know everything and then your teachers are presenting things as fact, you're going to be in the same exact scenario as you were when you were in public school as a two year old, ready and willing to take whatever is said to you as complete fact. And that's a big mistake and a big problem. It's a big mistake. And it, it, this issue is personal to me because I get emails every day to my show 
from parents who have sent their children off to school because you got to go to college to get a good job. You know, we've all been told that line our whole lives. And their daughter comes home from school, their son comes home from school, unrecognizable for the child they raised. And they're just heartbroken. Jesse, I don't understand how this could happen. Your 18-year-old is not fully formed. Your 18-year-old is pliable. He's just clay. Totally. I hate seeing that because I think a lot of, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize how far the colleges and universities have gone as far as being to the left. I mean, I think I, I just did a stat in that speech you showed about how 98% of, I don't remember which university it was, but 98% of the staff and and professors at this university donated to Democrat uh, uh, candidates in 2020. And I mean, that's very indicative of what they are trying to to sell you and sell your children. So I think this this naivete about how Everyone needs to go to college, which, by the way, I hate that as a as a standard. I think that that's a really bad standard, given that most people who are going to college nowadays have no idea what they want to study. So they just go and put themselves in debt and study something that is totally irrelevant to whatever they're going to do in the future. Uh, I think that that is a problem in and of itself. And then you have people going and not knowing that they're going to be indoctrinated. So you can prepare your kids as much as you can, but an 18-year-old is still an 18-year-old, and putting them in the belly of the beast is just a, a recipe for disaster as far as your children actually coming out as conservatives and well-informed conservatives at that. Yeah, imagine dropping a hundred grand to put your child in that just so they can find themselves or whatever hippie crap they say nowadays about college. All right, I, I want to focus on something different. You went, at, went to the Manhattan School of Music and you sang opera. Now that sounds like it has to be the most commie environment in the history of mankind. What was that like? Yeah, I would say that's that's about right. Uh, the day after Trump was elected, uh, m many people on the staff and many students showed up in black. They showed up wearing mourning clothes as if they were grieving. And a lot of our professors excused us from class if it was just too emotional. Uh, I'm not gonna lie and ah. deny the fact that I definitely took advantage of that just to get a day off of school. But <laughs> many students actually needed that. Uh, that was kind of the, the environment that I was in. And it meant that I, who was on the right, you know, on the right, obviously, conservative, I felt like I couldn't say a word about my beliefs because I knew I would be blacklisted. I mean, people talked about politics openly, but only if you were on the left. And that's kind of a, a thing I talk about a lot is that I don't believe people need to talk about politics in the workplace. I think that's a big mistake, actually. But if you are going to talk about politics in the workplace, if that's something that has been okayed by everybody, you can't just have it be on one side or the other. You have to be able to have a conversation. And so in my space of obviously the arts opera, it meant everyone was talking about politics, but only if you were on the left. And it silenced all of those of us who were on the right, which was a fair number of people, but none of us actually knew it until it kind of was, it kind of came out that I was on the right. So it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was an environment that bred, that bred leftism and it didn't allow for diversity of thought. Are we too silent? Because I hear this story a lot, and it's totally understandable. An 18-year-old girl walks onto a college campus and surrounded by people who hate everything she stands for, you're gonna shut up. You're gonna sit in the back of the class and not say a word. 
Do we need to try to change that mentality? Should we be more aggressive? Maybe not necessarily on campus, maybe not necessarily in work, but we all talk about going to the family Thanksgiving and liberal Aunt Peggy comes in harping about how much she loves abortion. We all kind of roll our eyes or walk away. Should we let her know that she's full of crap? You know, so actually, I am maybe going to flip that. I think in a family environment, depending on the situation, it can just be too uh, too much to get into like big family political arguments because sometimes peace in the home is important. Not always, but sometimes. When it comes to abortion, maybe not so much. But in, in other topics, maybe so. But as far as, you know, what I what I said about politics in the workplace, what I'm saying, what I meant by that is if people are not talking about it at all, that's fine. But I also think that and you know, I changed. I've changed on this. I used to think, you know, just be quiet, just kind of leave it, leave it to to yourself. You don't have to share your your real thoughts on this. But I've since realized that doing this and staying quiet on these things on campus in your work is just going to isolate you more and more, and it's going to end up changing your own mind if you're constantly listening to the other side's positions and never challenging yourself to argue with them or to debate or even to say something in a respectful way and present the facts, you're going to end up more and more alone. And so I actually think it's really important to encourage people to actually speak out about their views, speak out, say what is, is the truth. We live in a culture war. That's what we're doing right now. We are in a culture war. And if we stay silent, then our children are going to suffer. So I think that now is the time to encourage young people, to encourage really everyone to be brave, speak out, be confident, because these things are going to define the people you spend your time with. And if you build your entire life on silence and someone finds out that you are conservative, finds out that you're on the other side of the aisle and that could destroy your life, I mean, that's an incredibly stressful position to be in. And I would not encourage that for anyone, whether that be a college student or a grown person. Yeah. Abby, that was awesome. Come back soon. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right. Well, part of being bold enough and strong enough to take these people on is not being a low-T weenie. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm really not. But, fellas, you find yourself shriveling up in these situations? What are your T levels? Maybe they're in free fall. Societies are in free fall. Our waters, our foods, our everything. We don't have testosterone anymore. Not like we need to take these people on. You need to get yourself on a male vitality stack from chalk for a variety of reasons. 20% increase in your testosterone in 90 days. Ladies, it's not just the men. Female vitality stack for you. Are you done with that afternoon cup of coffee or done needing it? I guess I should say you can still drink it. You ready to be full of focus and pep? Go get a subscription at chalk. Subscriptions are 35% off. I want you to cancel it if it doesn't work. It will. Chalk.com, promo code JESSE, 90 days. Tell me how you feel, all right? We'll be back. You know what's vicious? Sea lions are vicious. And otters. People think these things are adorable because of their little flipper paws and stuff like that, and how they're on their back. No, these things are aggressive, I'm telling you. I went fishing one time in Canada. I've been fishing a bunch of times in Canada, but we were up there pike and walleye fishing, and it was just known up there. 
You need to avoid these things. You see those things slipping in the water? They'll come tear you apart. Show you that in a second to lighten the mood. Before we do that, let's do this. It's hard to know what to do with your money in a crazy economy, and I'm not a finance expert. I'm assuming you're not a finance expert. What, 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 what do I do? I don't know what to do. I'm supposed to move money around and yields and I don't, what? What do I do? Well, I don't have to know because money pickle does. And here's what they'll do for you. They'll coach you up. They'll walk you through everything. They can handle this for you. And they're pretty confident in themselves. How confident? Your first appointment is free. Set up an appointment. Set up an appointment for free at moneypickle.com. When you talk to your advisor, you enjoy it, you're interested, move on from there and take care of yourself. Don't be, you don't have to be an expert, find one. Moneypickle.com, all right? All right, get a little of this. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh Ouch. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.